0: hey guys and welcome to the garage athlete show we're on episode 73 it's myself and rachel smith this week so we haven't got a guest um for whatever reason so we put up a question box within the group and they want us to discuss how to design your own training program so that's what we're going to be going through today uh coming at it from a couple of different angles i know Rachel, you're more based in the strength slash like strongman world, whereas obviously I'm, I'm coming at things from like bodybuilding slash body composition um, point of view. So I think this should be an interesting topic to go over. So how are you in general? I know you've been struggling with a few different issues, long COVID, all that kind of stuff. So are, are things a little bit more settled now? No. no okay. um,
1: <laughs> long COVID is still a massive roller coaster, um, and it, yeah, th- this isn't something like I mentioned you before. on that I've had to navigate in such a way from a very hard hitting mental perspective. Um, yeah, it, it, it's a new one for me, um, and I'm still sort of what am I now? <laughs> Eight months into this, <laughs> it, we're we're away into it, and some days are sometimes better, others are more difficult. But it's just having to navigate things. Um, you know which it just puts a different perspective on how you support your own clients how you understand people because you've got then lived experience of it's basically chronic fatigue but it's affecting my hypermobility hugely and um, of the effects work a significant amount as well but yeah it's it's just one of those things that it's not to suck it up and see it but it's a case of just acting in your own best interests trying to get as like best nutrition it can get in, still very anti-inflammatory because it attacked my cells in that way, and it's um it's sort of responsive to sort of histamine tolerance. Um, so everything is yeah very low impact on like my system generally. Exercise has to be modified anyway because of my hamstring tear, course because of it. Um. So still very much in a rehab phase of that, because obviously the impact of global stress on the body from things like um, like long COVID is that your body's not in a recoverable state generally. And then when it's impacting on your sleep, it's in lesser of rec- recoverable state. So. Yeah, I am brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> how old oh, yeah. you have
0: you had your nose piercing?
1: By the way, I've just noticed
0: that. Like, I had
1: it done ages ago, and then I took it out, and then right. um, had to get it re-pierced again. But when I was up in the northeast for Christmas, my brother's dog like nipped my nose, and I was like, oh my god! And it's it's a uh, yeah, it's a little oh, bit sh- fragile. <laughs>
0: Fair busy, enough.
1: <laughs> yeah, how
0: things. Um. Um, For me, I am just over a week into my mini cut now, so for those of you that have been following the podcast for a little while, I competed last year, Um, last competition was in November, we then went into a building phase, so slowly building up calories, building up strength, hit some new personal bests in terms of that, like I got the 50 kilo dumbbells up for a set of eight I believe the other day, which is something that I've, I've never done before. Uh, But I get married on the 14th of April, so what's that, five and a bit weeks. So we're in an aggressive, aggressive dieting phase, which basically in bodybuilding they call a mini-cut, which is all those things that we preach, as in like balance and sustainability and all that kind of stuff, you just kind of throw those out the window, stick yourself in a massive deficit, make yourself feel like crap, for about three or four weeks and pull off anywhere from 12 to 20 pounds of body fat. Um, so it definitely works. I've dropped what two and a half kilos in the first week, which is just over five pounds. The majority of that will be water and glycogen. Like I know that, um, energy levels are in the toilet. Like I feel like crap, like, and it's just a bit of a, an insight into when people do these crash diets like why they fail at them because i feel awful and for me i know that i'm only going to be feeling this way for say 3 or 4 weeks so i can deal with it cuz there's an end date and i know there's an end date but i also i don't have an emotional attachment to food like food is fuel like my coach makes my plan i stick to it that's it because the long term goal is Competing in bodybuilding. Like, it's not that, like, I've not, as I said, I've not got an emotional attachment to food. So that when I come out of this and we're we're reversing back out, I'm not suddenly just going to go to the snack cupboard that's over there and absolutely pig out on crisps, chocolate, and cake, which I've not been allowed to have for like four weeks. It's going to be a slow reverse out of it, slowly bringing my calories back up to being in that surplus so that I can get another productive 12 to 16 weeks um kind of going back up so the idea behind it is that well the male body seems to like to build muscle somewhere between like 10 and 25 percent body fat like higher body fat levels than that and you're just inflamed and watery and your body just doesn't react and lower than that you're more in survival mode so i know it's different for ladies and it was quite an enlightening chat we had with your friend um I'm going to forget her name now Emily Emily the other day like um I didn't realize how much bad advice and how lacking in my own knowledge I am in terms of coaching females and it's made me go okay well if I in the future if I ever want to design a program for women I'm, I'm going to have to get somebody in who is a specialist in that area to help me with that, just because there's too many nuances to it. And I'm very good at training men. I'm, i get results with them. I'm not, I'm not not good at training women. I just don't know all the moving parts. It's not just as simple yeah, as he- stick somebody in a deficit and it works. Yeah. Like that's all it is for men, really, is stick somebody in a deficit and get them to stay there. Whereas with women, there's a lot
1: more. You've You've inherited, uh, when you you work with women, you inherit Mm. um, societal um, impact and impressions, Mm. um, family based, cultural, um, social circle, media, their psychology. So when you just said, I don't have an emotional attachment to food, and then you said, I haven't been able to have this for however many weeks mm. this you say that with like as in in just general day-to-day chat whereas if you speak to a female who's been brought up like I was mum went to Weight Watchers went with her there when I was nine being around things which are sins which are good bad green red foods which are still very prominently out there and marketed to us Mm -hmm. through our doors on posters flyers magazines um being brought up depending on your age around kind of Kate Moss era where it was like supermodel thing things that are changing and that are more so than men obviously that does change as in what sort of is sort of shamed or looked upon as being better or ideal um been very much prominent within our lives from the off and even from um, like female terminology within the family and grandparents commenting on things and we have our own lived experience which makes us aware of what we need to be consciously aware of and pick up on the nuances that is within the language that that person brings to us that's why um, that phone call I I very much prefer having things via Zoom because you look at body language and you look at um, how confident and comfortable somebody is speaking about something, how they hold themselves and the way in which you need to begin your journey with them. It needs to be very different and it needs to be approached differently week to week, month to month. I had a client this morning and we're going, she's got um, menopause within the family, early menopause. So approaching perimenopause very early and her hormonal fluctuations are all over the place so we we've got that was a very aggressive post man all my life Mm -hmm. um i think he's delivering is he delivering something for me you keep talking i need answer my door
0: So the subject we're going to be looking at today is like, well, the main subject, it's probably going to be the title of this one, actually, is how to build your training program. So a lot of people, when they're starting to think about like building a training program, go straight in and go, right, they'll go to a forum, they'll go to a group and they'll go, guys, what's the best training program? And it's, it's the, the answer is it depends. (laughs) So like you need to ask yourself like, well, number one, what are my goals? Like, what do I want to achieve? Is it, I want to get stronger as in maximal strength. So more like powerlifting, strong round, being able to lift as big a load as possible. Is it, I want to build muscle like, Exclusively build muscle. So, more like your bodybuilding, body composition sort of thing. Is it? I just want to look and feel better. I've got a bit of a spare tire going on. I've got a little bit too much body fat. And I want to be fitter and healthier to be a happier, more confident version of myself. Like, two of those are like sporting extremes. And the other one, which is where probably I'd say, 99% 99% of people like fit is they they just want to look and feel better in which case the program that you like I'm probably doing myself out of some work here the program that you run is less important than the effort that you put into it so it's one of those things all programs work for different people so just because person A runs Bigger, Faster, Stronger and person B runs like West Side for Skinny Bastards by um, Joe DeFranco, if they swapped, they would get completely different results, even if they did the exact same program because their lifestyles are different, the amount of effort they put into it, how they enjoy training. Like somebody might really like like training, heavy like low uh, volume high intensity another person might like to do a shitload of volume and if they put them on the other one genetically they might even get on with that better but they don't enjoy that training method they don't enjoy the feeling of the pump or going really heavy so they then don't put in 100% effort which then means they don't get the level of results they want in the time that they want which means then it's a law of diminishing returns so the number one thing you kind of want to ask yourself is number one is what do I want to achieve? Number two, how do I like to train? Like, yes, it's a good idea to try up new methods every now and again um, and to kind of mix things up, but you probably want to make sure you are doing something that you enjoy and at least have some exercises that you enjoy.
1: Um... I think another one just to add on the back of that is like, how do I want my training to make me feel? Because I, in quite a few of my clients' programming now, have changed things more recently to include more a greater level of athleticism. And that is purely because they've got kids who are more active. They are interested in doing different things because we're back outside in the world now. And they've been restricted to sort of what they've been able to do, even including over the winter. So we've got more kind of fun based things in there, which You might go to a class and do, but on your own, would would you really do? But in like programming at home, like just to get the body moving in different planes to re-energize it as well, because exercise and movement put your body in a physical and mental state and one can support the other and vice versa. But one can also take away from the other as well. Like If you enjoy feeling sore and limb heavy following all of your training, cool, that's for you but if you like to finish it and feel what to energize you, you need to look at does the programming I'm following match how I want to feel? Is it giving my body what it needs to end the session in? Like I hate the term and use of like finishers, but if they're programmed effectively for CV reasons and it matches all the movements that they have gone on within the session, as in You've done a lot of fucking up of your body in the session. Can we do some unfuckinging, like through um, different planes, through different breathing modalities? Um, that can have a huge impact on how you end your session and how you continue your day. First, I don't know what you because you are
0: secretly like Mortal Kombat.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, I, I put up a. I saw somebody. It was a, a personal trainer that I used to work with. And he was a very big thing of like finishes, but they weren't for that reason. It's his main part of his session would always be about 45 minutes. And then it'd be like, right, we've got five, 10 minutes at the end. How can I fuck up this client? So they feel like they've worked. So he'd always put finishes in. So I'd I'd seen like he'd posted one of these like workout finishes that had like nothing to do with what the client wanted to do. So then I put out a... um, a post on Instagram just being about like it's not Mortal Kombat, like you, you don't need a finisher. I got so many DMs off that. Like it seems like people are doing them a lot. And like it's, you said, it's if what it's... you say
1: though, isn't it? Like you'll go into like CrossFit boxes or hmm. traditional gyms, and because the like for a lot of how we're programmed, it's like you've got to get a good sweat on to have had a good workout, and it's like you actually don't. And from a recoverable perspective. You probably benefit from just being able to train harder in the session, putting in CV and finisher type movements that are conducive to how you need to perform. Like, do you need to be working on getting your heart rate up more? Okay, cool. They serve a purpose. But how you get your heart rate up needs to be what your body needs, not just a way of expending energy. Because if it makes you feel like shit after, it hasn't really given you what you need.
0: So, if anybody wants a way to get their heart rate up, try like heavy sets of twenty hack squats. That that will get your heart rate up. Like that's that's just been put in my program recently. No, I'm not using hack squats. I'm using a pendulum squat. Have you ever used a pendulum squat machine?
1: Yes. And then when you go to do that last rep, and you you just you're stuck in the air, and you're like, I can't drop it, I can't move. Where do I go? Okay. And then I think the first time you kind of fail a rep, you. Cause it's a different position you've ever been yeah. in. Like even to a hack, like the, the setup's completely different, and like the loader. And then you kind you're in this like limbo of
0: yeah,
1: I can't move, but I, I can't go. That where, where do I go?
0: Yeah, <laughs> I've added a, a like a medium sized resistance band on it as well, which just my quads are fried at the end of that. And literally, I, I hooked it up like wobbled out of because I was recording it as well like I'd wobble over to the <laughs> over to the camera to switch it off and then just like collapse on the bench and my, my coach was just like yeah that's how like intense we want them because yeah. I'm only doing one like day a week at the moment but yeah it was it was brutal um but yeah that definitely kind of gets your heart rate up there um so going back to the original question in terms of programming and how to like build your own programs, we've mentioned like what are the goals? like How do you enjoy training? And what do you... Emotionally, what do you want to feel like at the back end of it? And then another question you need to be asking yourself is also how many days a week can I do this consistently? Like, if you know, hand on heart, that you can only get three days a week in trying to run a five-day program where you do monday is international chess day tuesday is like a pool session wednesday is shoulders and then there's always legs on a friday but you always miss tuesdays and fridays so you miss like your back and your leg session like that's not going to be conducive towards your goals because you're going to end up with injuries you're going to end up with more muscle imbalances because you're not able to keep to a schedule with it whereas if you know right mondays wednesdays and thursdays and then the best days for me to train you would build a program that's going to be around that like you can do so if that was the case for me if you could train mondays wednesdays and thursdays it'd be like a full body day on a Monday um maybe an upper body day on a wednesday and a lower body day on a thursday or something around that so that it's right i'm hitting all the muscle groups twice a week Um you've still then got room in there so if you then get an extra day you can throw in some bits extra bits you want to work on so if you want to work on your arms or your abs or whatever it is if you can get an extra session in you could always throw in some extras with that but i think it's a really really important thing that a lot of people don't Think about first. They go to the program and they go right. Well, this program's four days a week, so I have to train four days a week. Whereas actually, if that program is four days a week and you can only train three days a week, one system that I um, utilize with clients is right. So you've got pro, you've got day one, two, three, and four. But I can only train three days a week. So week one, you'd do one, two, three. Week two, it'd be four, one, two. Week three would be three, four, one. So if you run that program for eight weeks, uh, four sessions a week, that's going to be 36 sessions, I think. Yep, quick maths. So rather than it lasting eight weeks, if you're doing four sessions a week, it might last 12 weeks, if you're only doing three sessions a week, you've still done the same amount of work. You've just got to run that program for longer. And it means you're not then missing out bits from it so there's always ways you can work around it if you're limited on time um, you don't necessarily just have to do right Monday is always chest day Wednesday is always this uh, Friday is always that there's lots and lots of ways you can adapt like set programs and make them work for you so do you find that a lot with with clients Rachel that they they try and take like an off-the-shelf program and run it, but it's not conducive to their life.
1: People have done that before. And it is just that re-education that the the programming that's presented to you doesn't isn't your program. You make it work for you. So that that four day week isn't your four day week. That's your one plus one session. And you just run it like that. Like I have a few programs at the moment where I'll run um exhalation based, inhalation based, and then a mixed session. And that's purely because of the way in which the movements set you up and sort of the breathing mechanics behind them as well in terms of sort of where, how you load and where tension's placed. Um, But it's just the support that, okay, things come up in the week, like just because it's Wednesday and that's normally when you do session two, if you miss session one, why would you then do session two? It's like you just roll it on, it's a rolling programme. But I think consideration also needs to be placed in the fact that getting these off-the-shelf programs, they might be starting with a higher amount of volume in terms of sets and reps or kind of just overall um, than what you, is tolerable for you based on your training age. And that's sort of like beginners to advance because it's working out what is your um, like tension tolerance, like what can your body handle from a recover, recoverability perspective and um, And, you know, like January notoriously is like balls to the wall and like how many people drop off because what they set themselves up for is failure rather than success. Like taking two steps a day and no setbacks is better than taking four and three setbacks. Like you're you're going to get there, but you're going to get there on your own terms and it's manageable. And because you've thought it out in the long term, it's a case of I know I can get these in and then not shit your pants because... One week you can't get to the gym, or you get the gym and a bit of kit's being taken off use and stuff like that. Like it's having the flexibility to be confident in your choices, including even moving sessions around because, okay, you've got a shoulder niggle, you slept funny, so doing this up of body is probably not the best idea. But your next session, actually, the the movements that you've got programmed in there and the bits of kit that you're using are suitable and accessible at session. Move them around. Like don't be so rigid in the journey and the process. Just be focused on what that will look like overall and manage things accordingly.
0: Yeah, and I think it's, it, it's one of those things where it's, it's information overload nowadays. Like everybody's looking for like the perfect plan. Yeah, They want to optimize everything before just getting started like the best thing that you can do is just fucking do something like stop agonizing over like what's the best plan there is no best plan the best plan is the one that you can do consistently like as you said like most off-the-shelf plans are gonna be good for some people, they're gonna be way too much volume for others, they're gonna be way too little volume for some people. And it's it's just one of those things where I think people are always looking for like free. They're looking for the the next best thing and where can I pick up this stuff for free? And it's one of those things, like information is free. Like the stuff that you teach, the stuff that I teach, like we're, we're not holding secrets back we put out a lot of the information that we teach for free on our social media stuff because we know information is free because Google and there's always gonna be someone out there that's willing to tell you what we're going to teach you for free. The difference is that rather than taking in all this information, trying to figure it out, trying to apply it then to your own situation, like you've got 10 years experience in terms of like your own uh issues in terms of injuries obviously being a female yourself like having to navigate training and implementing all this information and we love it like we love reading about this stuff we love researching about this stuff like we've built systems to make it simpler like people often think like Coaches, like the main thing that you do, the main thing that you get from a coach is like is learning how to do this stuff. And nine times out of 10, it's actually not. It's right, I'm here to help you problem solve. I'm here to go, right, here is your ideal day. So if the stars aligned, if nothing else was going on in life, this is how you would train and this is how you would eat. And you want the results, they're gonna get you there. However, life's not like that. So what I want you to do is apply this the best you can to your life and then bring to me what went wrong. What obstacles did you face? What challenges did you face? And then together, we will slowly overcome those obstacles one at a time and help you to develop the tools in order to go, right, this has gone wrong. How do I overcome it? Like, whether it's time, whether it's cravings, whether it's family pressure, whether it's whatever it is. Like, I don't know about you, but when in July this year, I've, I've been a personal trainer for 10 years. There's very little times now people come to me with a problem that I've never faced before. And if they do, then I normally refer that out because it's normally way above my pay grade. Um, but for me now it's, it's just it's solving problems it's helping people help themselves and that's why when I kind of explain kind of like what coaching is it's not just right here's your training program here's your nutrition it's right let me help you to help yourself and that's why it's an investment in yourself so that you can figure these problems out
1: on your own yeah I've always find like want to know what people have done historically in their training and so say like what programs have you run? Like what were you doing before? Have you got any videos and this that and the other? Because they're coming to you from their lived experience. And we need to take that into consideration because you don't want to give somebody something that's completely alien. You've got to help them make make them feel comfortable. You don't want to change too many things. However, if I've got someone who will come to me and say, I've run this program, um, I did this other one and I'll be like okay why have you gone program the program like tell me why you didn't stick with one they'll say either I got bored or um, this always <coughs> gave me like a problem like I've had a back injury since whatever and I kept getting problems niggles everything when I ran this program um, so that in bringing that information to you you then find out kind of what their needs are as a client and sort of what their programming needs to look like and a lot of it is just a lot can be kind of like weaning off. So it's a case of not being married to exercises. It's a case of let's find the version of that exercise, let's find the version of that load and that your body can handle, it can tolerate. And then let's also look at why these other movements have caused problems in the past. Because what we need to do is find out the version of something that your body needs and then build up foundations around it. So you can return to, let's say for example, um, conventional deadlift, you want to return to a conventional deadlift but you haven't been able to deadlift for however many years. So we'll do a version of hip hinge that's going to allow you to train um, glutes and hamstrings within that. And then we'll look at what your kind of mobility, your movement needs are um, to get back to kind of full conventional deadlifting that can look completely different for so many people um it could be doing like wrap isometrics to build load, load tolerance where you've had a back injury and your lower back is feeling more susceptible within a certain range Um, it can be doing like tempo rdls with dumbbells because it's not putting you into a fixed plane because it's actually a previous shoulder injury which is impacting on lower chain mechanics when you're going into um like more more flexion basically so there's so many things to consider and it's finding the version of a movement that you need and not being married to our program our movement and again like you've just said don that is like that's a troubleshooting but we need data to help us help people troubleshoot and because going back to the questions like how do i build my own program use bits of what you've enjoyed just make sure it's like very balanced like unless you've got certain if you're bodybuilding you've got certain part of the body you want to bring up but you you don't have to do what everybody else is doing and also you don't always have to have a reason for it if there's just something you really enjoy doing it doesn't cause you problems or pain and it's not kind of giving you imbalances because you just love it and you're smashing the hell out of it for example like lateral raises like you're gonna become disproportional then like as long as that's in like you're you enjoy doing something there's no reason not to be doing it as well so it's always for me it's like even if you're picking an off-the-shelf program like five by five it doesn't have to be five by five it can be six by five it can be seven by eight that, these are just arbitrary type things that are put together off the shelves that fit the general population now when we look at it from a female's perspective, that can need to change for a lot of people especially when we've got hormonal fluctuations and like when we were speaking with Emily the other week we said you could split your training months up into kind of follicular phase luteal phase and think about where you've got more energy where your energy dips where you just maybe don't want to train or you need to train in a different way and for example a lot of my clients have maybe a four day training week and then they've got a body weight session and then they've got a mixed session so they know that if they go into a session and their lower back isn't great around this period they don't need to ring me and be like oh i can't train what can i do whatever we've already troubleshooted it for that week so you've got kind of your late late um luteal phase where your lower back tolerance is really poor like it, you just can't handle much so we don't have any um hip hinge going on there but then when you're not like for example two weeks later you are hip hinging and you're pushing your numbers up from where you were the few weeks previously Um, or you then go well I've got a body weight session here to do which I can still progress from the last time I did it you've just got to collect the data and you've just got to listen to what your body needs but still push you hard enough to see changes and results but that's why I love like pen and paper journal and like having a physical logbook over an app because flicking back through things. Have you recorded like what your sleep was like? Have you recorded what your nutrition was like to help give you that fuller picture? Because that goes in hand with your training. You can have the best training program in the world, but if at the start you didn't get on top of like good sleep hygiene. You're still out drinking heavily every weekend, few nights a week. Your nutrition isn't more stable. And what I mean by that is, yeah, we can play around with calories. Like we did that for a few guys on our transformation groups last summer. But the people who have the best results tend to be the people who keep very similar calorie intakes day to day because it's giving your body the food to fuel training. And also to recover from it. So you're physiologically, from a nutritional standpoint, better day to day rather than having to pick up from where you've had a deficit and then you're going into a heavy leg session. Like things have to complement each other.
0: So on that note, I've got... um, about five of these logbooks from our transformation program from last year. So to anybody who has managed to listen to this so far, if you go on to whatever you are listening to this on, whether it's Spotify, iTunes, whatever it is, give us a five-star review and screenshot it and ping it across to the Garage Athlete Show Instagram account. And by a week after this drops, it should, I'm I'm hopefully going to get this to drop on Friday. So that'll be what Friday, the Friday, the 11th, it should come out. So by Friday, the 18th, I will then pick a winner from the best. Well, our favorite kind of like review. And I will send you guys a written logbook for completely for free. Um, I'll probably just DM you for your address. So there you go. If you need a written logbook, then just give us a five-star review and we'll get one sent out to you because Rachel has said how awesome they are.
1: (laughs) They are, like the written word will always prompt you to put more in and it's easier to flip back through. And so instead of like death by phone laptop, because that's what we always have in front of us. And I feel like there's, especially for females, more of an emotional connection by penning something rather than typing something as well.
0: Yeah, I think I've I've gone back to a physical logbook in terms of like my training, especially when I'm at the gym in um Newark. So I train at a gym in Newark. So because I'm quite in the garage, I've got whiteboards. So I've got like three different whiteboards like dotted around. So my program is up on the whiteboard and I just like see what I did last time and then try to beat it. Whereas when I'm physically at the gym, so that I can literally turn my phone onto airplane mode. I've got the saved music playlist. So I'm not getting notifications then when I'm training and spending five minutes at the beginning of the session, writing it out and then going right, this is what I'm aiming for. I'm finding like week on week, I'm making much much better progress because when I'm in the gym, I'm not distracted at all. Just got my headphones in. I'm in my own little zone. I spend five minutes at the beginning, Going, right, this is what I'm going to get on this lift. This is what I'm going to get on this lift. And it just means that you're just mentally like grounding yourself before the session. I think a lot of people go into sessions distracted. They are texting people between sets. They're trying to do Instagram, whatever it is. Whereas actually that hour that you're in the gym might only be 45 minutes if you weren't dicking around between sets. You might be actually taking sixty seconds rest in between your sets rather than three to five minutes sort of thing. If you're a power lifter and you need to be taking three to five minutes set rest, then yes, the average person in the gym doesn't, and they also don't need to be spending an hour and a half, two hours in the gym when they could probably get away with forty-five minutes to an hour in there as well. Yeah. Um, but let's, let's just go
1: back to the original question. So that was like how you to build your own program. So what we've talked about so far is kind of being like where people will generally start from because before you yeah. go to build your own program you always need to have some level of training knowledge mm-hmm. and experience and generally it's all free programs we'll get loads of questions within the group about what's the best program for this or good program so generally people will come to wanting to build their own training program having had experience of possibly two three others yeah so yeah. when this is so do you want to go first or should I like in terms of how we build our client programs? Cause this is what people need to be doing, isn't
0: it? Yeah. I'll let you go first.
1: Cool. So what I, what I would do if I wasn't a coach would be not have a low battery on my phone. Um, what I would be doing is just thinking, right, what have I done previously that I've enjoyed doing? What did I actually see benefit from um, obviously depending on what my goal was. So if I'm talking about like, and um, strength and performance here. So I'd be thinking, okay, that this is what I enjoyed. Did I see a good results from this movement? Yes, okay, so these, I'm going through what I've done before. This is one where I've seen really good progress. I'm gonna make a note of that. What else did I like on another programme? And then just think, do they marry together? Or is that gonna be like too much load? Like, is am I gonna handle it? Or do I actually wanna give it a go and see? Because we, you're the scientist of your own body and you're only ever gonna know what you can recover from what you can get away with in terms of recoverability and um, symbols for sleep and nutrition, like give it a go, but don't give it a go for like a few days. Like you've got to put a few weeks in to see what response you get from your body and your central nervous system as well. Then I'd be going, right, how many days a week can I train? Um, and then I'd be thinking, okay, when I do these sessions, how, when are they in my day like what have I done before it so same as when we had Cecile on the podcast and we're talking about like people going into training you've been sat down at a desk all day is your body going to want to go and have 100 kilos on it's back within like two minutes probably not because in terms of axial load and you've just been sat in this pelvic dump all day so you need to get some movement going on within the ranges that your body's going to be training through and um, we need to be making sure that so all the joints that are involved are actually primed for what they need to be doing so you would be thinking i need to get my heart rate up i need to maybe get my mind in the right place if i work from home do i need to go for a quick walk come in get changed, get into my garage do my training session there whatever so you're setting yourself up for success in that respect i would be thinking okay when my training in the day what foods am i eating leading up to that to know i'm not going to go in feeling really hungry low energy setting myself up like that and then i'd be thinking right warm-up wise what do i need to do what movement prep do i need to do and that doesn't mean two sets of going into a squat like if you know you need more you've got to give your body more and there's so many mobility programs out there that there'll be bits that you can pick from for free again but as you're doing them don't do things like mindlessly Think how your body feels whilst you're doing something. So, for example, like thread the needle. Some people will overcompensate and move. You get a foam roll around your arm as you're going through. You get more connection, connection with the breath, and you're actually in the movement rather than doing the movement for the sake of doing it. So, everything should serve a purpose because, again, that cuts down on time and makes things more efficient. Then, I'd be thinking of kind of the order of my exercises as well like what's going to take the most out of me probably want to put the most into doing that so you'll start with your compounds that's not on every day and it depends how many sessions you're running across the week for females it might depend where you're at in your cycle you might not want to be barbell back squatting and you might actually be going to the gym that week and you might be leg pressing so it's just taking all those things into consideration and then You've got your more, like for bodybuilding type, you might have more isolation based exercises, which are still important, but this shouldn't be the biggest part of your training session. And it shouldn't be death by volume there, again, like purposeful intent behind the movement as well. Not just, I've got to match or increase my reps from last week, so I'm going to swing these up because you're not getting out of it what you're putting into it. Then again, as I said, we would be thinking about towards the end of the session, do you, is this a session where you need to have some steady state cardio in, is it a session where you want to have um, some like strongman type work so you might have like some sandbag runs or CrossFit type stuff where you've got like thrusters into burpees or whatever you enjoy to think about physiologically how you're ending that session as well. Um, and then coming out, just think about your recoverable state later on in the day. If it's close to bedtime, like, what do you need to do in order to sort of end that session well, to end the day well, ready for the next day? Um, and then across the week, as we've, we've talked about, make sure things are kind of managed and well matched. You just be looking at the exercises you've programmed And have you got your horizontal pull, horizontal push, vertical pull, vertical push? Have you got hinges in there? Have you got versions of squats in there? And not avoiding a movement because it causes you pain. Think about the exercise selection that can give you that movement. Like there's so many different types of squats you can do. There's so many different types of deadlifts you can do. Not being married to one will give you greater success overall. What yep. what are your thoughts around that? Because I have just kind of whizzed the <laughs> So
0: I'm going to kind of come at this from a slightly different way. So I'm just going to paint like my average client avatar and what I would normally do if then I was then sitting down and building their program. So my average client avatar is someone that's going to be maybe 30 years old, Um, They trained a lot when they were younger. Life's kind of like taken over and they've got a little bit too much body fat. They want to drop body fat and build muscle. So I get the most success generally if people have got the time for about a four-day training week. So it's normally Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday off, Thursday, Friday, weekend off because weekend's family time and that means they can have two upper body and two lower body sessions in there. Mm -hmm. In terms of... Exercise selection and movement patterns. Most people that come to me are quite sedentary. So they're in office jobs, they're sat a lot during the day. So, our number one kind of goal, especially of the first program, is going to be addressing the overemphasis most people have on the muscles at the front compared to the back and how stiff and immobile their hips are going to be so dropping somebody straight in and doing like barbell back squats and things like that's probably not going to be that good for them in the kind of longer term if they want to run this program for a kind of like a long time so the first thing I'll normally do is in terms of ratios of pulls to pushes I'll have like twice as many pulls as pushes in the first program. And most of those pulls are gonna be through the horizontal plane. So we're concentrating on pulling those shoulder blades back um, and improving posture because again a lot of people are sat and curved like most of the day so scapular attraction lots of mobility work in terms of like uh rotator cuff band pull aparts face pulls all that kind of stuff everything that's pulling the shoulders back just because i find if people go straight into lots of pushing they then get shoulder issues within a few months uh, in terms of the lower body stuff I actually have started putting some isolation work now before the compound work. And that's just, again, because I tend to be working with people that are a little bit sedentary, their knees, their hips, their ankles, the mobility around those joints tends to be a little bit. is the nice way to put it they haven't been doing these movements so we'll do things like leg extensions leg curls like some calf work like before going into the main variation which will normally be especially on the first program either some sort of squat so a goblet squat or a box squat Um, And then also some sort of leg press. Um, And I will always get them to send me a video of their leg press. And people love to take their leg presses way too far, way past their active range, and then wonder why their lower back is in bits. Um, I also, on every single, like, program, especially the first one, will program, like, Bulgarian split squats. Like, most people need to be doing some unilateral work. And even just body weight, Bulgarian split squats, it's going to be focusing on lengthening that hip flexor, strengthening the glute, the hamstring and the quad on that front leg. And everyone always hates me on that first program because their legs are in bits. However, by the time we're on to rotation two or three, they're noticing things like, oh, that knee pain that I was having when I was squatting, that's just suddenly disappeared. And nine times out of 10, it's because we've loosened off that hip flexor by having that Bulgarian split squat kind of in there so yeah some i used to always do like my big compound exercises first and i've just found from working with people that actually doing a little bit of isolation work especially some higher rep stuff so i'm starting to favor rep ranges between like 12 and 20 on um isolation work really really helps to like increase the synovial fluid and as much as you tell people to warm up properly they don't. They just don't. They find it boring. So by having those things in there as exercises and also having like quite high rep ranges, it discourages them from going really, really heavy on them because you, you, you can't do a set of 20 for like a really heavy weight. But it's really, really focusing on set rep number one and rep number 20 should look the same. So if your rep number one is great, like you're you're thinking, oh, you got a nice three or four second like eccentric and reps 15 to 20 are just like banging them out. Like you're that you need to really, really focus on that and getting people to focus on their form, especially in the higher rep ranges. Like people think like the heavy stuff is hard and it is hard, but getting your reps from 15 to 20 to look like one to five that that takes some serious levels of concentration and uh keeping your head in it as you said not just moving the weight kind of like from a to b um so yeah those are kind of be the, my main considerations when kind of like programming somebody at, at first it's going to be more pulls than pushes just because generally people need to be addressing that from front back balance, and then uh, unilateral work. So doing lots of dumbbell work, as well as like making sure that you've got some sort of lunges splits what's in there, especially kind of for the lower body. Then once people have gone through like the first like block of training, which one thing I wanted to mention is I think people jump around programs far too quickly, Like I've had people that have run programs. They've got to week 12 and they go, when are we changing? It's like, okay, are you still making progress in all those exercises? Yeah. Then why would we change? Like you've, you've still got space to grow. And I think people forget that the first six weeks is very, very neurological in the changes. Like you're learning the movement patterns again. You're becoming more efficient at them again. And so the first six weeks is basically the muscle that you already have becoming more efficient. Like once you've passed that kind of six to 12 week mark, you've then got six weeks of growth. If you're more of an advanced lifter, then you may need to change your program at the 12 week mark. But for the average person that's coming in the group, you can run a program from 16, 20, 24 weeks and still be making progress and you also don't need to like change the entire program if you've got like one or two movements that have stalled why not just swap out those movements rather than like changing the entire program and when you've got a program that's working really really well and complements each other maybe instead of doing a barbell back squat you might switch to a front squat or a safety bar squat or a different variation and things across the board are going to start moving again um I'm not sure if i think we've agreed on a few points and kind of what's the word um i take a different approach on others there
1: yeah i think it just depends on what your needs are out of your program and like are you aware of your needs as well which is when when you know like we are coaches but we're not here to say oh work with the coach but if you've been spinning your wheels for a very long time or you've got movement patterns that have just never felt good to you then it could be in your best interest to actually spend a couple of months working the coach. It's not forever, but it's a case that they will help you troubleshoot and have that like third eye that's going to help identify what you you're missing out on purely because it's not your job to know everything. Like if you are a mechanic, you are going to be amazing with cars. That is your thing. You aren't expected to know everything about training, that's our job we we are and we find out and it's a case of if we can't help you, you we refer you on to other people who can and um, i think what i sort of missed out there is kind of just a way in which you approach things and the terminology around it like you said you'll put in um like more isolation exercises at the start so i do in some of my programs but i put them in as like movement preparation because that's just what i deem it as for that person um also put in isometrics where they're required and relevant especially on people learning how to um sort of be mindful of where their center of mass is Mm. so if you've got someone who lives very forward posturally struggles to stay in their heels then giving them sort of breathing cues or using front held plate squats um and then isometrics in there including like toe raised split squat um yeah heel raised um split squat isometrics will teach them where their body needs to be for the movements that they're about to start so it's not doing it's not about doing everything it's about selecting things that are setting you up for success with what you're going to need whether that is doing some pre-exhaustion work because you know that when you go um onto kind of like any cable work or any bench work you know that you're going to do some cheat reps because you're not valuing the range that you need to be working within or like if you've got your program from a coach it's explaining why we're putting this in like we've got limited equipment so we need to get some pre exhaustion work going on there or we know that we need to get fatigue within this range because that's a range that you struggle to not control we've got to create that sort of that environment that sets you up for Doing what what is needed from the exercise, and that again comes back to you. You've gone through so many programs, you enjoy things, but you don't know how to progress. You could be an experienced lifter, but you could benefit from working with someone experienced as well to help you unlock that next level. So, you know, we work with a, a wide range of people and for very different needs and at very different times of their train. It might even be for um, like rehab, and then you never see them again because that's your that we've done our job you know it's like there's there's so many reasons for working with someone but there's also a a very valid point of going away and not work not choosing to work the coach because you want to try things out on your own because only you know your body only you know what you enjoy and you like and just because something is on a training program it doesn't mean that you have to do all that's a version of it that you have to do as well
0: yeah I think that's a really, really good place to lead it, actually. Um, just because you, you've hit the nail on the head there that like a good coach should help you get from where you are now to where you want to be well enough that you no longer need their services. And then, again, a good coach won't then try to hold on to you longer than you need them for. They're there to teach you what you need to know to go from a to b and then go yeah that's great you can handle it yourself now and i think that that's the side i think the the problem that fitness industry's got is that the barrier to entry is so low that people just expect like the when they buy into something they're almost expecting it to not to owe them to be over-promised and under-delivered on. It just makes our job harder as coaches that are then trying to like hold back then in our marketing going, okay, well, I know, say the 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 guys that come into my program of 10 of them, two of them are going to do amazing. So they might drop like 12 kilos in 12 weeks. Six of them are going to do okay. And they'll they'll be somewhere in the middle. They might hit like five or six kilos in the 12 weeks. And then two of them, Are not going to do very well. They either don't implement or they're not quite the right fit for your program, in which case they might drop out after four weeks, or you might end up giving them a refund, or just for whatever reason it kind of doesn't work. There's there's always going to be those numbers. And I know we found that kind of like within our groups that no matter what the numbers were, they kind of those averages kind of like averaged out, whether we had like 50 people in there or whether we have 10 there was the same sort of averages and the the problem is with social media you only ever see those two that do amazing you don't see the six that do average and people don't share that because actually that's what the majority of people are going to achieve within a program you're not going to be the two at the top you're probably not going to be the two at the bottom if you've invested into it with a decent chunk of money you're probably going to be in that six but then people see the results of those six and feel that they've failed because they're not the two outliers that have absolutely smashed it. Um, I think it's more about normalizing like those six in the middle and the results that they get and that this thing called fitness, is, it's a lifestyle and it's not like crazy diets and not crazy before and after photos. Like And always make sure that you speak to anyone that you're going to invest money into like for a little while, like if they try and jump you onto a sales call on the first sort of like interaction with them, maybe hold off and see if they come back to you and have conversations in the DMs are willing to help you Are willing to give you their time. Even if like, it doesn't look like there's going to be a reward at the end. I know one of my guys that's training with me at the moment we were back and forth in the dms for somewhere between 12 and 18 months he would send me a message once or twice a week for a year to 18 months and i was because he was very concise and he would just he would ask questions rather than just it be open-ended and like you know the people that drop into your dms and like how do i lose body fat you're like, oh, right, I could go down a rabbit hole here. Whereas it'd be something specific, like, oh, I've been trying to do this and it's not working. What would you advise doing next? We're always going to be happy to sit there and have conversations with people like that because we enjoy the subject. Like, there's 10,000 people on my Instagram. I can coach a maximum of 50 at a time. Like, am I just going to leave the other 9,950 people to kind of like, kind of wing it. No, I'm probably going to speak to people and I will, I'm more than happy to kind of give my time away. And I think it surprises people when people are willing to do that because they're so used to being sold to all yeah. the time. Somebody drops into your DM like, oh, where's the sales pitch? And like for me it's 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 not like that. I quite enjoy speaking to my audience. I enjoy speaking to people, getting to know people because in a selfish way, when I get to know you and your problems, I can make better content for you as the person that I'm trying to target. And that means that more people that are going to pay me as a coach are going to come to me. So whether you want to become a client or not is irrelevant. I want to get to know you better so that I know your problems, how to solve them so that I can help other people with those problems as well.
1: Yeah, I'm exactly the same with things like that. And like, I'll do my like troubleshooting call giveaway each month because for me, it's that lived experience. And obviously, I'm getting a lot out of it with my um, NHS role, with in terms of what I'm doing there with pelvic health. But a lot of it is very similar levels of application. A lot of it is more in depth, in detailed, uh, in detail. Um, <laughs> but it's you know, it, working and having conversations with more people just allow us to be better at out- the content that we put out there which is not salesy but is of use and that is a fair point to just sort of finish on there that the people who you might choose to get programming from or use free programs from who are putting out that free content have probably got more experience in having more conversations and coaching than the people who have just got photos of themselves or have just got programs to buy because we understand like real life and things get in the way and things are hard and it's a case of if there can be something out there that makes something a bit better for someone who gives them a chance to try something without fear or in a way that it can reduce an impact of an injury like it's there we're not hiding anything and it's just the hope that people will see that and realize that there are other ways to do things rather than sort of the traditional programs that they sold or what what is available out there for free it's you know fitness and improvements need to be on your terms but it needs to be on the terms of what your body needs as well
0: perfect so rachel i know you've got a new instagram handle etc so where can people find you if they want to learn more about the the stuff you've got going on
1: i um I've still got website is in process. Um, Instagram is movement. Facebook is the same as that. And the website is when it's not down.
0: And for me, it is the dadbard underscore coach on Instagram. And I've given up on the whole Facebook thing now. I just, it all shares across to my personal one. And yeah. in which case it's Donald Sweeting. Um because my parents hated me when they named me. Um, So, yeah, it's been great to catch up. I'm hoping next week we'll have a guest. I'm going to do a bit of uh, scouting in terms of getting a guest on. Um, And if not, it'll probably be myself and you, or myself or all three. I might even get all three of us on uh, next week. But it's been great to catch up, Rach, and I will speak to you again later.
1: Cheers, Don. Bye.
0: No worries. Bye.